0: One of these days, you're gonna be out of your business. You're no longer gonna be CEO. You're no longer to be an executive in the company. What do you wanna do with the last 40 years of your life? I'll tell you what I wanna do. I want to go around the world and be asked to share what I know.
1: I was scared shitless of speaking, public speaking. I really was, it was not my forte. Today, I get on with passion and excitement. I actually enjoy that energy.
0: And I'm looking at this guy, this old guy, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, how am I gonna help him? Go around the world, meet interesting people, share what you have to, but learn and grow and meet cool people for the rest of your fucking life. That's what you're building. You're building something that you'll have available to you for the rest of your life.
1: Keith, welcome back to Moonshots. And we're back. Yeah. So, last time we spoke about writing a New York Times bestselling book, and in particular writing a book, and one of the things we talked about was people who write a book because they want to make money don't realize you don't make money on books, you make money on speaking. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about something that you gifted me, Mm. which was advice on how to build a speaking business, a keynote speaking business, platform speaking business, which has been Financially, very meaningful to me. It's given me the cash flow to allow me to start my companies, putting me in front of audiences around the world. And so we're going to go deep into that. Anyone who's listening who's ever thought about being a speaker has watched people like Tony Robbins on stage and said, wow, he's amazing. How can I do that? Uh, so dive into this dissect it, and like we did with our how to write a New York Times bestselling book. Uh, let's give a one oh one on the process. yeah,
0: you in great. for that i'm I'm excited about it and I think it's I think it's meaningful. Um, what I love about what we're about to do is, you know, I've done a couple of things really well. One of them is I've published, and another is I've built a very thriving speaking business, and I love it when I get a chance to be the usher of another person into that realm. Um there's a lot of, dark twists and turns and things that people don't know and misconceptions, so yeah. why, don't we, why don't we give people
1: some light in yeah. this process? Yeah, in the same way that you gifted that knowledge and literally opened up your old decks and made introductions and, and told me what does and does not work, looking forward to gifting that information to everybody watching here. Done, let's do so, it. So, um, You know, I had just published my book, Abundance, uh, The Future is Better Than You Think, and I had lunch with you, and we had just met. We had probably met at a conference, uh, you know, Ted, both speaking I at, Ted, at, yeah. at, at TED. And uh, what I, when I, people ask me about you, besides being an extraordinary executive coach, an extraordinary speaker, an extraordinary thought leader, you're one of the most generous people I know. Mm. And I love you for that, truly. And you literally took me under your arm and said, I'm going to teach you everything I know about speaking. And you opened up your, your phone, uh, you made some introductions, you gave me key advice, and it was an inflection point for me financially. But more than the financials, it was building my brand in the world. Yeah. Because when you're on stage, and by the way, people, people treat you very differently if you're giving them a free keynote versus a paid keynote. Mm. Very different. We can talk about that. So uh, let's dive in. Let's open up in the question, like. Well, what
0: was the takeaway that you, I'm curious, if you reflect on that. Yeah. What was the takeaway that you walked away from from that conversation that was the most impactful or the so, biggest aha?
1: I remember when I started doing my keynote speaking, uh, we had all these different agencies that wanted me to go exclusive with them. Right. And one of them was don't go exclusive with any agent agency, yeah. right? You can have them all working on your behalf.
0: Well, and let's explain that to folks. Um, okay. Look, there are a few people who do well to have a, uh, an exclusive bureau, speaker's bureau, and they are the people who are looking to maximize the per unit price and minimize their number of speaking days. Right. So back in the day when Jack Welch was a speaker or, or Hillary Barack Clinton, Obama, or Hillary, Hillary Clinton, right? Yeah. And these people are being <coughs> deluged with people. And I would imagine, you know, people like Simon Sinek and, and Adam Grant today, uh, et cetera, perhaps, um, that these individuals have more requests than they have time. Yeah. And they are trying to get their price up as high as possible, given a very limited number of days. they 20 days. I'm
1: available these days. Yeah, but, I'm yeah.
0: available 20 days. Yeah. Although there's, you know, 500 people trying to get me on, you know, and as a result, I want to get the highest amount that's a great use of a bureau
1: of a single of a single bureau where it's all funneled they know the kinds of gigs you like and don't like right and they know which days you're available and what your minimum price is and because it's scarcity scarcity drives up the price
0: but let's understand the business model of the bureau to to understand why i would make that recommendation so what a bureau does is they're working for the, the person booking the engagements they're they're working for the booker
1: so if you're running a conference and you're looking for a great keynote speaker on a particular subject yeah um, they'll you go,
0: to, you go to a bureau so you're right. running your salesforce yeah and you're running the big dream force yeah you have a bureau or many bureaus perhaps even who are looking to fill the speaking slots and that bureau mm-hmm. is looking for long-term revenue they're going to work for Salesforce hopefully for five ten years running there, there are a there are agents out there who have worked for this event for five to ten years yeah right their job is to fill that so the fact that you happen to be exclusive to them they'll put you in whatever they own or they contract with once
1: mm-hmm.
0: right yeah. but now what you're really trying to do is there's eight other bureaus out there who are booking events for their clients that you want to get on their place. And if you're independent, you have a higher likelihood of lobbying those other, uh, those other agencies and bureaus than if you're wedded to just one, Yeah. right? And when it comes to the commission, right? With, if you're wedded to just one, a number of the speeches that will come into you that have nothing to do with the bureau,
1: nothing at all. Because they saw you speak, they, they read, read your, your book. book they just exactly. call, and it's just... You
0: go to one bureau, 100% of those speeches will be, will be covered by their
1: commission. Commissioned by that, right. yeah.
0: Whereas there's an entire swath uh, that you can get directly without paying the commission. The commissions can be pretty daunting, right? Yeah, 20% I
1: mean, is not unusual for it. I've seen at 25%. At I've, I've
0: seen 25 as well, and sometimes yeah. even 30
1: But And no. by the way, you can negotiate that at the end of the day. So before we dive too much into the weeds here i I'd, I'd like to go back to the entrepreneurs watching and say why do you even start a speaking business all right what is it that is the benefit the yeah. why behind it and there are a few different reasons and let me we can we can discuss that a little yeah. bit i think one of them is you want to get your message out you've written a book and you want to get your message out and you know being able to present with your emotion your energy And an updated story, because the book is static once it's published, at least books in the past have been, um, being able to update it. So when I gave my abundance speeches in 2012, they're very different from giving that speech in 2023 because the data is so much more compelling. So it's getting the message out. Another reason?
0: Well, let's go back and put the hat on of the person we're speaking to here. An entrepreneur. Right. Well, perhaps. Okay. That's one audience. There's an audience that says there's a group of individuals who just dream of being a speaker. Sure. right. It's and something that and you- that's what they want to do. In fact, that's kind of where I was. If, if you don't mind me yeah, giving please. a little bit of backstory. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. That's what I wanted to be. Um, and, it, and I actually was when I was, um, uh, 12 years old, <laughs> I went to a summer stock equity theater, which is professional theater. My parents let me do this at 12 years of age. I spent the entire summer yeah, as My a boys are actor.
1: 12 now. I'm trying to think about what I would do. Probably right? not that.
0: Right, my, my parents let me at 12 years of uh, age live at a theater company for the entire summer by myself. Amazing. I had my own apartment and I was, uh, I was playing one of the kids in Sound of Music for the whole summer. And it was equity. It was a professional theater company. And what I noticed back then was that there were some amazing actors who were poor. Mm. And I said to myself, I can't go into a profession where if I'm really good, it has nothing to do with my success. Right. Now, what I didn't know was that what I did know how to do, which was to network and build relationships, would have probably made me an awesome actor Mm -hmm. because these folks were really good and not capable of earning a great living was probably because they weren't playing the game and building the relationships that's building the brand yeah but at my point i was just saying i i can't be an actor because i won't be successful now if you think about what i was able to to do i wanted to be an actor what am i today i'm on stages all over the world sure right i'm in i'm in media all over the world and i've actually found a more fulfilling purpose beyond being an actor in terms of why, what my mission and my purpose is to transform the way we work, So give, me,
1: give me the emotion you feel where you're on stage. That's a great question. Like,
0: um, You know what, it's different, it, it's evolved. Back then when I was a kid, an insecure kid who was poor, going to rich schools, didn't think I deserved to be anywhere, I suspect what I was looking for was significance. Yeah. I was looking for self-worth. Today, when I'm on stage, I feel effusively generous Yeah. because what I do in this little trick, and I'm sure you do the same thing, before I go on stage, I do my research. I understand what I'm intended to do. I, I always ask myself the question, and then I ask my client the question, what would you like the audience to be doing differently three to four months after I've left because I
1: was there? The question I ask as well is, what's the emotional experience you want them to have Right. at the end of this next hour.
0: And, and you and I, again, my, my whole brand is about doing and yeah. practices. Yeah. You know, you're about inspiring yes. and potential, similar to what Tony does. Mine's about doing and practices. I, I'm very clear. I say, I want to make sure that by the time I'm walking off that stage, I have set a momentum so that your audience, a large portion of them will be doing something different right. Change. a quarter later, right? Change. Now, I feel Im- effusively generous. And so what I do and, is I and,
1: and you are, uh, but from, I, I, it's I do authentic a from the heart. Ton,
0: I do yeah. I, I do a ton of research, which yeah. a lot of speakers don't do. Yes. I'm constantly complimented by the amount of research I do, and and I ask them, can I speak to more of your people in advance of even showing up? I do phone calls, talking to leaders of the company. What do they want me to do uh, as a puppet of their vision? How do I be of I, service? No. But then what I do is I, I show you're
1: up. The, you're the channel, not the puppet. Well, yeah. yeah. Exactly, thank yeah.
0: you. Um, then what I do is the night before when I land, most speakers are like, oh, I'm just gonna go straight to bed. I go down to the bar
1: mm. because
0: that's where everybody is the Pretty night before bit. the big yeah. speaking event. And I just shoot the shit. I'm like, what's really, by the they're drunk. So it's like, <laughs> what's, what's really going on here, right? Tell me what's really going on. And I, I tease them out and they give me so much great information. Then I show up the next day and I go in the breakfast and I walk around from table to table. I sit down and say, hey, I'm your speaker today, Yes. you need to tell me what to say. I said, I'm writing the talk and I wow. have no idea what I'm doing. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> I was
0: like, tell me, I'm saying, like, here's my topic, tell me what to say. And I swear to God, at least 25% of what I'm gonna say on stage we'll modify is developed the night before in the morning of. Amazing. Based on those Amazing. conversations. And it's all intended. And then what I do, last thing I do, right before I go on stage, is I s- sit in the back of the room and I look at the people in the room. And everyone's quiet and everyone's looking up at the stage on whoever they're talking to. And I am starting to get teary-eyed. And I imagine their life. Wow. And I ask myself, how can I help him? And I'm looking at this guy, this old guy, you know, is like a middle-aged guy, middle tier in the company. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, how am I gonna help him? How in a three months from now? Wow. And then I look at the woman over there and the young kid, and the young, young, you know, the woman executive and whatever it is, I'm looking at these people and I'm like, how do I help them? Mm. And now I'm fucking ready. Now you're you know? on fire.
1: And, 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 and buddy, you've been on my stage at Abundance 360 uh, more and more every year and people love you. I'll just put a plug in here, guys. If you ever want an incredible keynote speaker, Keith Ferrazzi is the best. Um, uh, and just you move the audience, you bring an emotional connection Uh, in a way that's extraordinary. You know, I'm super passionate about longevity and health span and how do you add 10, 20 healthy years onto your life? One of the most underappreciated elements is the quality of your sleep. And there's something that changed the quality of my sleep. And this episode is brought to you by that product. It's called Eight Sleep. If you're like me, you probably didn't know that temperature plays a crucial role in the quality of your sleep. Those mornings when you wake up feeling like you barely slept? Yeah, temperature is often the culprit. Traditional mattresses trap heat, but your body needs to cool down during sleep and stay cool through the evening and then heat up in the morning. Enter the Pod Cover by Hsleep. It's the perfect solution to the problem. It fits on any bed, Adjust the temperature on each side of the bed based upon your individual needs. You know, I've been using Pod Cover and it's a game changer. I'm a big believer in using technology to improve life, and Eight Sleep has done that for me. And it's not just about temperature control. With the pods sleep and health tracking, I get personalized sleep reports every morning. It's like having a personal sleep coach. So you know when you eat or drink or go to sleep too late, how it impacts your sleep. So why not experience sleep like never before? Visit www.eightsleep.com, that's E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E-P.com, slash moonshots, and you'll save 150 bucks on the pod cover by Eight Sleep. I hope you do it. It's transformed my sleep and will for you as well. Now back to the episode. So going back to the why, right? So uh, one is you can make a living. Yeah. Um, you know, it's good money. Yeah, uh, You can promote your brand and your personal vision.
0: And the other one is you can start investing in your future. Every one of, every one of you is running a company today or um, you know, running a company today, having a team. One of these days, you're not. Hmm. One of these days, you're gonna be out of your business. You're no longer gonna be CEO. You're no longer going to be an executive in the company. And the question is, what do you what do you do? What do you wanna do with the last 40 years of your life? I'll tell you what I wanna do i want to go around the world and be asked to share what i know
1: Mm -hmm. to teach
0: and and i want to be paid well and i want to be able to pick the countries that i want to visit
1: by the way if 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 you're able to make it in the speaking business you will have opportunities around the globe
0: around the globe and and what i want my leaders yourself to be able to do is to say okay We're retired. What the hell that is? It's nothing. What that is, is you and your spouse get invited to go to Bhutan or to Egypt or to... Seoul, South Korea. Right, wherever. Dubai. And and you get to go around the world, meet interesting people, share what you have to do, but learn and grow and meet cool people for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. And that's what you're building. You're building something that you'll have available to you for the rest of your life.
1: The emotional experience I have when I'm on stage, um, and it can be an entire spectrum. And I know if I'm not connecting with the audience, it. Which you can, I'm sure you doesn't can, happen. Very it doesn't well. happen often, but there've been times. And on the other end, I know when I hate to use the term. I have them in the palm of my hand. I can or feel. Crushed it. You just they're they're, feel. they're connected, right? And I've I've moved them from a state of Fear and scarcity to abundance and optimism. Yeah. I move them from uh, in their mindsets that they have in their self-belief of what they can accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, my MTP is to inspire and guide entrepreneurs create a hopeful, compelling, and abundant future. And when I can do that, I feel this incredible sense of fulfillment. Yeah, right. It's it's awesome. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do. I remember I used to when I started Singularity University, one of the things that Singularity did was it made its faculty amazing keynote speakers because executives would come to Singularity, hear these faculty and then can you come and talk at my company, Yeah, right? And so we helped these individuals become extraordinarily successful in their in their speaking business outside of SU. And one thing I started doing was giving away all of my PowerPoint slides for free. I would at the end of the deck, I would say, I didn't use a QR code back then. It was a, a website, now it's a QR code, mm-hmm. and say, if you want these slides, take them, share them with your kids, with your friends, and you know, and people say, Aren't you afraid these people are gonna like, you know, uh, steal your content and give talks? If they can give a talk better than me, right. fantastic. Let them do it. But it became a way because to get the slides, it'd give me their emails. Maybe they're watching this podcast as a result of of that. Your
0: movement, your community. We talked about this. And I have
1: a connection with them, and Mm -hmm. I can keep the conversation alive. And I want, if I am heartfelt about what I'm sharing on stage, I want that information to go beyond the single individual to as many as possible. Well, and
0: let's just talk about that. Once you're done with your speaking engagement and you ask them if they would like the slides, and they give you your email, and you uh, create some form of a drip campaign of of generosity, just keep giving to them. Always give. Um, If you're on their, what I always say is, if you're on their doorstep in a a, a newsletter or something that just came in, at the time when somebody says, do you know a good speaker? Mm. Or do you know a good coach? Or do you know a good whatever? Then you'll have a shot. But it's interesting, you could have crushed it a year ago yeah. But just the day before somebody asked, do you know a good speaker? Some schlock walked across this guy's path. Guess who's gonna get recommended? The schlock. Yeah, yeah. But if, you're, if you don't have an ongoing touch point with these people. To build a relationship. To build a relationship yeah. and stay on the radar screen. Yeah, It's really important.
1: You know, a lot of people who wish to be a speaker, um, they watch amazing speakers on the TED stage or Tony or whomever. And they say, "I could never do that. I'm mm. fearful. Mm. i want to you know share something for me when I was in college in the early days, I was scared shitless of speaking public, public speaking. speaking. I really was it was not my forte i remember um I was running an organization called students for exploration and development of space s e d s which is still around now many years many decades later that's awesome and uh MIT has something called the Kresge Auditorium and it was a massive auditorium I don't know how many thousands of people it holds and I was like my dream when I was there my first year was before the end I'm going to stand on that stage and give a speech and I had a chance to do that uh, and face down my fears today honestly there's there's very little anxiety in speaking I get on with passion and excitement I actually when I have any kind of anxiety getting on a stage I actually enjoy that energy. Yeah. Cuz yeah. it's like cuz a little bit of fear is like okay I got to change up my game. It's like
0: And then we you and I will find stages where like I remember the first time I stepped on Tony Robbins stage, yeah. right? Or Radio City Music Hall, right? To 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 speak at Radio City Music Hall or a convention center in Ukraine, yeah. right? Um that's that you know, you get those moments where you're like, Holy shit, I'm Oof. about to go in front of 10,000, 50,000 yes, people. Yes, exactly. It is. Um, but let's spin back a second. For me, thank God my, uh, my parents were religious and I'm a spiritual individual myself, a Christian. Um, speaking in the youth group uh. at church was my first experience with speaking. I was um, invited as the youth pastor because I was in the youth group and I was invited as a youth pastor on youth day to be on stage uh, with, the, uh, with the minister, sharing the pulpit. Um, I then became, as I mentioned to you, I wanted to be an actor, Yeah, sure, right? So that was huge to be on stage and just learn how to project and just learn how to have an audience and to be able to replay with an audience, um, all of that. And then, then what I tell you is, in, if, you're, if any of you are thinking about this for your children, think early. Let your kids, encourage your kids to take acting classes. Yeah. Encourage your kids. For me, it was a thing called NFL, National Forensics League, which is speech and debate in high school. I, that's what got me to Yale.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, my very first speaking engagement ever, I was, uh, I was 10 years old, mm. <laughs> and uh, I sat my parents down in the living room, yeah. and I went and gave a presentation to them on the planets. And afterwards, my dad came over and gave me five bucks. Paid speaking engagement. My first paid speaking engagement. And it was like, maybe that was the one that influenced it all the way, but um, it was amazing.
0: So, 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 but the the point of, look, there are many of you who didn't have that, like mm -hmm. the two of us did, where I had a lot of early training being on stage. The National Forensics League, I had Lincoln-Douglas debate. I just, every Saturday, I was going to different schools and I was learning how to speak. Extemporaneous. By de- debate
1: is an amazing thing. Yeah, capability. Extemp-,
0: extemp is fantastic. Yeah. They, you pull a topic out of the hat, nice. and then you're given. But if you don't have any of that, or you didn't have that background, but I would recommend for your kids you do, then Toastmasters. Um, um, my dad told me early on that he had done Toastmasters. My father was a steel worker. which i love about toastmasters you know people who want to be professional speakers but people who just want i don't know why my dad did it but my dad as it was a steel worker so do
1: tell more what is toastmasters so
0: toastmasters is a club you join the club and once a week you go and everybody takes turns getting up and giving little speeches or different types of speeches Hmm. um i was actually blessed my dad told me about toastmasters and toastmasters honored me as their golden gavel top speaker in ah, the world.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I recently wow.
0: accepted that award and past speaker, past award winners were Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins. Amazing. You, sh- you should actually be up on that for sure. Uh, but, um, but it was amazing. My father, you know, had told me about this when I was a kid. a beautiful close And I remember time. I was crying yeah. on stage when I received the award because I only wished my dad had been in the front row. He had passed. Yeah. Could you imagine yeah. my dad in the front row yeah. listening to his beautiful. son receive that? But, but, but I'm saying it's about practice, right? It is about practice. Now, there's different forms of speaking. I don't know about you, but when when cameras and media started to happen, um, one of the biggest screw-ups I've ever done in my life was my second book I got on, The the Good Morning America. Mm -hmm. And I hope it's not out there anywhere. But I choked on live television. Oh, my God. And I was was petrified of cameras. Mm. Being on stage had a forgiveness about it. And it was long form. I could be on stage for an hour musing and talking and engaging with people, but when you put me in front of a little camera, I got terrified. I started sweating profusely. You're doing pretty
1: good right now, by the way. You know I practiced, <laughs> and it was fun.
0: My, my ex-partner, who you know very well, Stan, yes. um, God bless him, oh, I, I feel so bad, but because I was so terrified, he and I had a thing. This is back in the day when we didn't have iPhones, we had flip cameras, Yes. and so he would just walk around with me and he would periodically pause, hijack me and say, flip camera, you like, and he asked me a question. Mm. And it would give me the practice to get comfortable with that medium. Yeah. And we did it all the time. And I would get so upset and I would get so angry and I'd be so terrified. It took me years yeah. to be able to be in
1: front of a camera. Yeah.
0: So this was as an adult. My point is, if you're terrified of speaking in whatever medium, fucking practice. Yeah,
1: it is about all practice. it is. You know, it's interesting. I Uh, I started putting myself into situations where I was speaking. You know, I had started um, after, well, in the middle of medical school and after medical school, I was running International Space University Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, two dear friends. And there was the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies and in between. So I was giving speeches all the time. And I'll never forget an experience I had which taught me an amazing lesson. I was in Toulouse, France at the closing ceremonies and uh here we are with our 120 graduates mm. and 500 you know parents and friends there and i get up on stage to try and give a you know I- inspiring closing talk and i had a speech right there in front of me mm. That's and the i worst. and i started reading it and i started like just choking because you know it's like trying to make eye contact and reading it and like uh uh and it was it's just awful not us. yeah And I literally put it down and spoke from my heart. And something flipped. And I've never, ever, ever had a teleprompter or speech. So my experience, I'm curious if it's yours, is I would make sure I had like five to 10 maximum bullets. Like these are the things I want to hit on. Let's do that, let's get into the structure. And I would, um, that would allow me to pick a subject, and a lot of times, you know, my my dear friend and writing partner Stephen Kotler talks about being in flow. Yeah, and when you're on stage in an audience and you're in flow and you're speaking from the heart yeah. authentically, it's a people know it and you know it. Yeah. So
0: I'll tell you my my what I do is number one is um, at the beginning of a speech, mm-hmm. you should very quickly get into a personal story. Yes, stories Um, are critically important. The biggest uh, mistake I've made is when I was trying to give too much information and I felt that this audience didn't want to hear my stories. They wanted the information because I was intimidated. Maybe they were scientists or they were very senior executives. But the reality is that if you don't if you don't capture their heart with authenticity through a powerful story at the beginning, you've lost them. So that's number one is to start with some form of a story. The next thing I always do is there's, I always think of my talks as three sections. I don't know what they are, but there's three big sections. Like in a movie. In my talk. Yeah. yeah. And if I lost my notes, all I would have to have is three sections to memorize, right? Cause I could flow through three things yeah. and then within each of the sections I'll have three or four bullet points, right? So that's your point of 10 things. Yeah. Now what I will do if I'm giving a talk that I've never given before, I will write out in two pages what I want us to share. Then I'll turn it in to three sections with bullet points. Mm. And between the time that I finalize what I think I'm gonna say and the talk, I will take what used to be called recipe cards. Mm-hmm. Remember those little papers? Um, I'll take a recipe card and I will write and rewrite my bullet points. Mm over and over again without looking at the last version. So I'll take a set of bullet points and I'll I'll, I'll write them and then I'll I'll, I'll say, all right, put it away, let me do it again. And each time it'll get smaller and smaller. The number of bullet points that I need to remember gets smaller and smaller until I've really mastered the content and I don't need anything on the stage any longer.
1: I I agree a thousand percent on grabbing them with an opening story, it's beautiful, right? the thing that I've done recently that works really well for me as well is I have a PowerPoint deck. Sure. And the PowerPoint deck is mostly all image. Yeah, pictures. And a title across Headline, the top. Which is your
0: bullet points, it's which your which, guidance.
1: And, and so as yeah. I'm going through the deck, I use it as a yeah. reminder of, I'm going to tell some stories around yeah. this or yeah. some stories around this. Yeah people are there to be entertained first and foremost. And if you can educate them on top of the entertainment, that's fantastic. If yeah. you just educate them without the entertainment, they don't, they don't get but it. I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: And um, I feel like the, that regimentation and the idea that you're just going through reminders and nodes is important. Um, let's talk a little bit about over-rehearsing uh, talks and things. Uh, there's, a, there's an association, I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass them in my, um, my belief of what they do. There's an association of speakers that um, has a very strong belief on how a speech should be done. Huh, okay. And it's a very prominent group out there. I'm gonna and, start guessing. <laughs> right, and, um, and they, literally, all, they literally have the professionalism down to a science. You open your first remark here, And then you take two steps to the right and you have your next remark. And then, and it's this crazy meticulous formula of giving a talk, which I might imagine for somebody who isn't organically good at this might be a really nice way to start. But when I watch them, I have lost the humanity.
1: Uh Uh-huh, yes.
0: And what I love about both you and I on stage and certainly Tony, you know, is, what comes out is, is the raw nature of our passion and the message. Yes. And, the, and the other, you know, there's also a very famous place to give talks that have, they squeeze you into a box on how to give a talk there. 20 minutes. Um, and, and the way, you know, like I remember I was talking to Reed Hoffman, um, both he and I got coaching to do a talk. like yes. uh, Come on, we know we're yeah. a TED talk, yeah. right? Yeah. And we got our coaching to give a TED talk. And we both swore that it, it felt like we were having the life drained out of us because it was so meticulous and out of give. It's gotten
1: worse in, in you know in recent all of years, that. Yeah. was
0: like it was like oh my god. And, and I and I look at it and I'm like it was it was excellent, but the the A pluses that I could have given if it, if I didn't feel as regimented. But on the other hand, if you think about the average person who gets up to give a TED talk, yeah, they need that, yeah. right?
1: You know, and- I, the way I got pretty good, decent at speaking, was modeling others. So I would watch Tony, right? Tony's a friend. We built companies together, written a book together and so forth. And I would, you know, in the early days, watch him on stage. And I would watch him not for the content, but the delivery. Mm -hmm. His hand motions, huge hands, uh, his voice Mm -hmm. inflections. Mm -hmm. And then I went on YouTube and on uh, TED.com and started saying, okay, which talk's really stop me and are like amazing speakers. And then why do I think they're amazing? What are they? What are they doing? And so I began emulating that. And one of the, you know, some of the lessons learned is for, for folks listening here is I don't ever get behind a podium Never. first and foremost. Never. Yeah. Right. I'm in front. I'm bare naked. Second thing is I go to 11. What do I mean by that, right? You, If you think about, Ratchet it um, I, it's when you're speaking at a level of energy that you think is high energy, yeah. it's not that high in the audience. Right. And in so I need to go higher. But it's I like
0: add one thing, I go to 11 and I go to two.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. Right? hundred percent.
0: The ability to yes. go from there to then pause
1: Yes. and
0: just land an emotional point. Yes. And That's silence. inflection
1: point and silence. Silence is a huge exclamation point. Yeah. And
0: Tony, what I love about, you know, sometimes I find myself after I've done, like sometimes when, you, when I'm doing Tony events, they happen to be like three in a row. Yeah. And for the next, Month, I find myself using Tonyisms like in the middle of the thing. I'm like,
1: say yes, say yes, <laughs> exactly,
0: <laughs> say yes, say yes. Uh-huh. It's like so to have that. Re- so I yeah. find myself going into those things. Yes. The the thing about um, emulation is so important. I want to I want to tip my hat to a beautiful man. His name is Len Schlesinger. He was a professor at Harvard Business School. I was a, um, a second year. He was one of the most meaningful people in my life academically. Um, I was a student of his, but I became a mentee of his. He was studying my subject that I was really interested in, which was total quality control and management, but he was doing it in retail, and, prof- and I was, had him come from manufacturing. Um, what he would do, he was one of the best speakers, and mm. he's, he was one of the best um, professor lecturers. He was energized, and he was always sweating, and he was just, he was <laughs> fucking amazing. But I got to the point where he said to me one day, he said, Keith, uh, I can't go to the National Retail Federation to give this talk, would you give it for me? Mm. But I had watched him so many times that I literally would sit back and I would scribe his talk. And I gave his talk, literally gave his talk. Mm -hmm. Not just his inflections, his manners, I gave his talk. And I learned how to give his talk, and then I earned the right to change it for myself. Right, and so that was the best way for me. It was total mimicry. Yeah. But then I adapted it for myself, and I learned my own style. Held on to some of his. So, and I, I suggest I've got an amazing man works in our company who his name is Ronan, and he wants to be better and better at his speaking. He's doing the same thing for me, and I love it. Yeah. He's Giving my talks as him. But then he's modifying.
1: Them. Yeah, and I'm doing that with one of my strike force members, Yanni. You know, just putting him on stage more and more yeah. to give him the experience. Let's put a, let's put a, a nail or a stake yeah. in the heart of fear. One second. So the answer to fear, practice. it's natural, yeah. uh, is practice. It is That's practice. It. Is practice. Is practice. And it is um, allowing yourself. It's uh, what I want to say is allow the emotion to come out fully. It's hand motions, it's volume, it's, it's you know being being confident in yourself. People love that confidence and they love the empathy that you have for them in this subject. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I remember my first TED Talk, actually one of my first TED Talk, my second TED Talk when I gave the Abundance Talk. And um, I went and was giving it at uh, the home of Lyndon Norman Lear. Mm and she invited me to come and present it just after Abundance had come out. And I gave it, I gave what I was working on for TED, yeah. and then uh, a common friend, Eric Hirschberg, pulled me aside and he goes, I think I can make it better for you. And we spent the better part of a week re-engineering the talk and me giving it over and over and over again, and it was phenomenally better, and kudos to Eric, who is a, a brilliant creative himself. Yeah, he is. Uh, and. It, when I got on stage and I gave that talk, I was, um, I felt on fire and I was like on a mission to change the people's mindset there. But I was so confident in what I was saying. Because you had it, iterated, I, iterated. I had, it allowed and that's me, what I was saying yeah. earlier. I literally,
0: yeah. you know, I remember my TED talk and getting ready for it and just that over and over and over again. And I, and I think that until you just get such comfort that you can do it in your sleep. Yeah, Um, I think that's critical, you know, the thinking about speaking, um, I did want to make sure that we also punctuated the mediums. And I do think that one of the things I learned is there was a little bit of a difference between being on this media and being on stage
1: and between a small stage and a big stage.
0: I agree. Like between, and it's inter- like you're talking about being 11 and being big. Yeah, I used to do that on television and it looked weird. Yeah,
1: that's true. It doesn't work for right? television.
0: So I think it's important to understand your medium. Um, most of the time what we're talking <laughs> about is- You just look crazy. <laughs> you do. You look, you look fucking crazy. I, I actually remember the very first time I, I did a CNN, CNBC uh, show with myself and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a, but there were four this of guy's us. on speed. It, swear to God, it looked like, I've never done cocaine in my life, but I looked like I just overdosed on cocaine at the end of the day. I watched myself, I was like, oh, that was so embarrassing, right? So you do have to recognize- and that, that probably came from nerves. Well, yes, and it was a medium I was used to. Oh, yeah. Like, and again, I was used to being on stage and as an actor, and I was big, and, and TV wants an in
1: intimate setting. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know,
0: it's, it's, it's different. So I think people have to be conscious. And let me say another thing. You and I are giving a disproportionate tilt to charisma and energy, et cetera. But let me, let me suggest, don't let that intimidate you if that's not who you are. And, and maybe I'm gonna take a very antithetical approach to what we just Please. said. There are comedians who are totally different styles and land the joke beautifully. Yep. There are some comedians that are deadpan and do a beautiful job of it. There are some. Com- now, you don't want to bore people, but it. I think that all of you could find a way to be a good speaker and honor you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've got to command. You've got to modulate. I think even if you're not going to eleven to two, if you go to your volume goes to eight to four, that's still going to be important.
1: Yeah. And by the way, you might be a scientist or a technologist talking about a really important subject, you know, some kind of a breakthrough right. you've had.
0: Bill Gates doesn't do what you and I do.
1: No, and people listen to him, but he is Bill well, Gates. Well, yeah, but so if you've got really very important and meaningful information to deliver, um, I think you don't have to be the like you said the charismatic uh, presenter on stage, but you still need to get a connection with the audience.
0: Yes, anecdotes. Stories. Opening up with story. Right? Opening humor. Up. Yeah. I still see dry professors that use humor beautifully. Yeah. Reagan used to do it, right? He was just a, such a beautiful orator. And he would tell jokes. And it worked. Right? So the, I just want to make sure that we're not intimidating an entire population that don't think that they can be us. Hey
1: everybody. Peter Diamandis here. Uh, I've been asked over and over again, what do I do for my own health? Well, I put it down in this book called Peter's Longevity Practices. Uh, It's very readable in just an hour. In the book, I cover longevity diet, exercise, sleep, my annual found upload, meds and supplements, longevity mindset. It's literally consumable in just an hour's time, hopefully to incentivize you to make a difference in your life, to intercept the technologies coming our way. If you want this, it's free. Just check out the link below and download it right now. Now, You may be an entrepreneur who's got a company of 10 people or a company of 100 people, and being able to stand up in yeah. front of that company and give a heartfelt, compelling, like, uh, you know, drive and purpose, and to ignite that company through a difficult time or a, a sprint you need to do is equally important. We are emotional beings, we have this emotional connection. Let's talk about how we turn this into a business because you and I have, <clears throat> and again, you gave me a tremendous uh, gift of insight. So if someone's written a book.
0: and that's, But that's so important. The day I started getting paid for speaking was the day I wrote a book. Yes. Really getting paid for speaking. And yep. it's interesting because if you are a public speaker and you haven't written a book, you're probably going to get uh 10 to 20 percent of the revenue that you would get than if you wrote a book
1: yeah a book it's just a a book in this matter is a representation that you have a concise body of knowledge knowledge, right
0: that's exactly it and it's your it's your credential it's your card if you don't have a book the likelihood someone's gonna well gotta remember who's hiring it's it's i and i I apologize for this it's a um, it's a, clip lady, a clipboard lady or a clipboard guy. I always, it's like, there's somebody five layers who's, down in the who's organization checking bo- who's,
1: checking boxes. who's
0: checking boxes and is working with the bureau to figure out what slate to give the CEO for the event. Of course it could come down from the CEO, but a lot of the times it's a risk adverse individual looking to qualify who's supposed to be on this stage at this point in time. And so not having a book, is almost a disqualification.
1: Now, you could have a very successful company or you could have a very successful life experience that the world knows about. It's a brand. It's a, you it's a, a brand. If you don't have a brand, yeah. you need a book. Yeah. Maybe that's that's the mantra. Yeah. If you don't have a brand, you need a book. And by the way, when you're being introduced uh, and someone says so-and-so is the author of so-and-so book, they don't need to mention how many copies were sold or anything
0: and we are we, we talked about it on our other podcast they will say that it is a best-selling book
1: <laughs> <it's> even <laughs> though it's the
0: best-selling in joe's book list <laughs> so you, you no matter what you'll be a best-selling author and uh, you'll be able to have credential people want to you know you, they want to put you on stage if they feel like you've got a credential yeah and a, and a, yeah so that's so important book start the book starts your speaking career it really it does. does it
1: was the case for me
0: It was, I think it's the case for so many, and I don't know many examples that can do it without.
1: And again, uh, you know, this adage. Podcasters.
0: Again, you have a brand. Yeah. If you've got a major podcast that has a great following, again, it's because you have the brand. It's like having your own TV show. And
1: there are a few podcasters I know who haven't gone on and written a book. Right. Um, You know, the old saying, you don't make money on, on book sales, you make money on speeches, is very true. So, so now we're into the business. And now into the business. So
0: can, can I yeah. talk about the first thing that needs to happen? Which sure. Is, what is your topic? And you know, I, I want to use you and me as an example here. Okay. You have found a topic. Now look, you didn't, you weren't searching for a topic. To get a good speaking business, therefore you picked abundance. Yeah,
1: that's not did how it happened that way. But let's just
0: talk about because my top
1: my topic early on for a good part space. of my life was space.
0: Guess guess what kind of a speaking business you would have with a space topic. zippo?
1: <laughs> I don't know,
0: but guess what kind of a paid speaking business you would have with space yeah. zippo? That's yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah no. So you know, JPL would hire you to speak, but um, and MIT get, would hire get you to free speak. Free coffee, right? Yeah. So, but let's, let's, let's dissect a bit your abundance topic, which I think is really important.
1: It, interesting, and I was kind of shocked that it became a successful, uh, viable business topic. Yeah,
0: well, I, I think that's just because of the purity of your intent of the message. You weren't engineering it for that. Yeah. But as I, you know, as I looked at somebody who I helped to craft their speaking business, and then all of a sudden I saw your speaking fee be double mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was like, what, no, what is about that? And so I started dissecting and I was like, what is it about Peter's speaking business that has taken wind? And it's, and here's my analysis. Please. And you can, the first thing is, if you look at who's putting you on stage, there's a, there's a CEO putting you on stage saying, I want you to kick the butt of my people to be deeply curious, inspired, To be over the edge in terms of what could be next, Mm -hmm. not sitting on our laurels, but going big and going next. Because every CEO wants that. The other thing you do is you bring a very positive message. When you leave the stage, people have walked in saying, the world is shit. And I, you know, and it's falling apart. And they leave saying, oh my God, the world is abundant. It's It's amazing, amazing, right? (laughs) So you've done two extraordinary things and it's not a surprise. Mm. It's not how you engineered it, but it's not a surprise that you've created that. Now, um, why do I say that? Because when you're thinking about the business, if you're literally creating a speaking business for the sake of a business, then you need to ask yourself, is that message going to resonate with which audiences? So mm-hmm. this is I'm a former marketer. Yeah. So I would first ask the question which audiences are hiring. So who hires speakers? Um, sales organizations hire them for their big sales offsites every year. Yeah. Um leadership offsites, which is the big company meeting with the top hundred thousand people or whatever it is, hiring. Customer them. engagement. All right. Um, and then external customer events, yeah. big like the big event where you bring all of your customers together.
1: Like Salesforce. Yeah. And,
0: and then associations, which yeah. are hiring it for their members. And that's either a personal message, like you're gonna get a sports hero that everyone's interested in, but you could find something that, that general consumers would be interested in. So you really just think about who are the people hiring speaking and ask you what gift are you giving that, that organization mm-hmm. by virtue of you walking on stage? And that's an important alignment. Um, where where I have gone with my talks is I call my talks challenge talks because again, my brand is is partially to inspire. I go on stage, and I say to an audience, and this is what I have sold my speech to: <clears throat> Where do you want your people's behavior to change over the next um, six to nine months mm-hmm. in order to meet your strategy? You know, Peter's the guy that'll help you strategy and technology get on path. I'm the guy that comes behind and says, where are the behaviors of your people? And I believe that anybody in that room could be the tipping point of the transformation of the company. That's why I wrote leading without authority. I'm trying to say that everybody in the room, you could take the manifestation of the strategy of the company and you could go out and build the relationships and the vision to make it happen and your career would be on fire, fire yep. right? And by the way, you are a leader of a team that is yet to know that they're following you. <laughs> that team is the people inside of the organization that are gonna follow you and your vision on how to meet the strategy of the company. So that idea, I call it a challenge talk, yep. and, it, and it crushes it out there. Yeah, Because you while know, uh, you come on one day, and we've done this actually, where you've spoken then I've spoken, you come on one day and you get the organization to see where its strategy and its technology needs to be. I come in, And I see, you know, where is the, how can an individual ignite transformation by changing their behavior and and managing teams differently?
1: You know, tactically, uh, let's let's say you've written your book or you had this life experience or you had something that creates a brand that makes, gives you a message that is super credible and people want to hear, right? One of the things that you taught me was you said, listen, um, you introduced me to leading authorities, one of the speaking agencies that still to this day we have a great relationship with. And you said, go to their office in Washington, DC mm-hmm. and meet with their team and give your talk there. I also said buy them lunch. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm not Make sure, sure if that, I did. Then but. Then you show <laughs> up,
0: offer to buy them lunch, you know, because there's a lot of people that want to get on their radar, say, Hey, listen, I'd love to buy you all lunch, and all I want you to do is listen to 20 minutes of what I have to share.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many agencies are out there? I think there's, you know, first of all, there's hundreds. Yes. Um,
0: because as, as, the, as that, that world has grown, any individual can be an agency, but I know, let's, let's call it 12 to 15 yeah. important agencies. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, that the biggest agencies are the most important, Washington Speakers Bureau, yeah. is not an agency that or you Harry be. Winston, is, it, is
1: that the That's other one, one? in New York, yeah. yeah. But I mean, some th- of the those biggest are, ones
0: aren't necessarily where you're going yeah, to make those, me
1: Those will be the agencies that typically have the, you know. Uh, the Barack the prim- Obama's, the Clinton. Yeah, right. exactly, the ex-politicals. Uh, um, but there are agencies that have either suspe- specialization or subspecializations and going and building a relationship there. That's it. Because at the end of the day, when the uh, agent... Part of that agency is on the phone with a uh, a large marketing event or membership event. They say, "Hey, let me let me point you at this individual. Check out this website and let me know because I've heard them speak and they're amazing." Yeah. Right
0: now, let's talk about how to do that. Now, this is where my never Eat alone hat comes on. Yeah. Um, you're not building a relationship with a bureau. You're building a relationship with three agents. Yes. And the way you do that is you start to connect by doing that first, you know, outreach. You get their email, you follow up, you ask them questions about it. You ask them questions about your talk. So they've just heard you give your, your, your teaser and then you start a relationship. Hey, um, what advice do you have? What do you think about the messaging? Where do you think that that messaging is going to play well? And by the way, do you have anybody that you're thinking about that you think would be great for that? Then you, the first time they, they put you up for a potential talk, whether you got it or not, I want you to send them flowers, yeah. an Amazon card. That's something.
1: what I used to do. Just say thank yeah. you. Uh, that's what thank, I would, thank you so much. Send I, I didn't get the
0: talk. Yeah, <laughs> send them cash, right? Um, I, and by the way, this is they're paid by their bosses. This is direct to them, yes. the individual, right? Yeah. Here, I just want to thank you um, and remember their birthdays and find out, I
1: mean, I I used to have- It's all the stuff that you teach. It's everything. It's all of the relationship
0: component. I had a a woman who ran my speaking business for a while, Jordan, and Jordan was a great leverage for me with those bureaus, and she richly got to know those folks. She was sending birthday presents that were so intimate. Mm. Like, she would send a a baseball card to somebody Mm. that she had researched that person's hero was that individual and they were a baseball fan and a a framed, you know, baseball card was sent to them. That kind of intimacy. Now you and I have gotten to the stage where we're probably not doing those tactics anymore.
1: But Um, in the beginning it matters, right? And so Jordan, for you, Connie still runs my speaking business. And that is
0: important that if you're not gonna hire 12 people to, if you're not gonna go with an agency, To have a right hand, whether that's your administrative assistant, maybe we can talk about that a little bit. What is the role of your admin, or yourself, if you've got the time? Well,
1: Connie, who runs my speaking business, used to be my admin. She used to be my executive assistant. And as my speaking business started growing, um, at one point I got her a second EA, uh, Esther, and I said, Connie, would you just go and run the speaking business alone? And and I sent her to a negotiation school. And, uh, and she sure. has, and she's done extraordinarily well for me and for herself. And then Esther became my EA and I'm my chief of staff.
0: But this person isn't, they could easily just be a booker, a transactional logistics person. They,
1: but Connie is a relationship person. And that's what, right? that's important. She that's develops important. relationships with the agents yeah. as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's my first line of defense as well. Now, I get a lot of inbound emails. People who are members of my communities or my organizations or donors and Peter, can you speak mostly I, for free? I, well, the requests come in for free. I mean, everybody is asking and I get hundreds of requests a year and My way of looking at it is if I do something I'm trading against time with my 12 my year old boys. Yeah, or or trading against my companies And so the answer is no unless they meet a threshold. And that threshold is either it's extraordinarily meaningful for me or in my companies, or it's gonna I'm gonna take a certain number of paid gigs per year and it's gonna be one of the paid gigs. So mm-hmm. Connie goes in and will say, I just got a request from a very high level politician uh, to come and speak at an event. And I'm not gonna say, listen, here's my speaking rate um, and, uh, um, you know, but Connie can go in very respectfully and say, you know, so-and-so, here's Peter's speaking rates, and uh, he could be free on that day. Uh, is that an option And going through that? But can, it, can gives we, a, it gives me a yeah. separation in that.
0: But I want to I level down for the viewing yeah, audience for a second. Um, but I hope they'll get there. Yeah, but I also want them, I want to give them the opportunity, if you're an entrepreneur in the healthcare space, um, and you're building a business that sells into hospital systems, um, there's a lot of really cool places that you could be developing a speaking business. Now, here's the thing, (laughs) if the association of hospital administrators, um, if you went to them normally and said, I would like to speak on your stage and you have a business that sells into hospital administrators, they'll say, yes, and you can pay us $200,000 for a sponsorship, right? Exactly. But if you write a book and, and you, and you write some articles and develop a sense of thought leadership and you have a, a, a $30,000, you know, uh, speaking fee associated with your name, you could probably get on that stage at a minimum for free. Yes. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. No. Listen. There's no. no I want to talk about being being on a stage in which uh, it's great for your company or your organization. But
0: that little strategy is important. I want people to understand.
1: Yeah. You went from being a sponsor.
0: Being a sponsor. When I was at Deloitte as chief marketing officer, every time I wanted to show up and speak, people wanted me to pay them. And and it wasn't long after that when I wrote a book that I started getting paid. Yes. And so it's a really important flip to be able to have. And they're not obviously- and by the way, if you
1: haven't watched Keith and I talking about how to write a New York Times bestselling book, yes. go watch that podcast next because the two are intimately connected. Yeah. And if you have, please leave comments. We'd love to know what you thought. Was it useful for you on how to write a book? Or is this podcast useful for you? We'd love to know. Everybody, I want to take a short break from our episode to talk about a company that's very important to me and could actually save your life or the life of someone that you love. The company is called Fountain Life, and it's a company I started years ago with Tony Robbins and a group of very talented physicians. You know, most of us don't actually know what's going on inside our body. We're all optimists. Until that day when you have a pain in your side, you go to the physician in the emergency room and they say, listen, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have this stage three or four going on. and You know, it didn't start that morning. It probably was a problem that's been going on for some time, but because we never look, we don't find out. So what we built at Fountain Life was the world's most advanced diagnostic centers. We have four across the US today, and we're building 20 around the world. These centers give you a full body MRI, a brain, a brain vasculature, an AI-enabled coronary CT looking for soft plaque, a DEXA scan a Grail blood cancer test, a full executive blood workup. It's the most advanced workup you'll ever receive. 150 gigabytes of data that then go to our AIs and our physicians to find any disease at the very beginning when it's solvable. You're gonna find out eventually. Might as well find out when you can take action. Fountain Life also has an entire side of therapeutics. We look around the world for the most advanced therapeutics that can add 10, 20 healthy years to your life and we provide them to you at our centers. So if this is of interest to you, please go and check it out. Go to fountainlife.com backslash Peter. When Tony and I wrote our New York Times bestseller, Life Force, we had 30,000 people reached out to us for Fountain Life memberships. If you go to fountainlife.com backslash Peter, we'll put you to the top of the list. Really, it's something that is um, For me, one of the most important things I offer my entire family, the CEOs of my companies, my friends, it's a chance to really add decades onto our healthy lifespans. Go to fountainlife.com backslash Peter. It's one of the most important things I can offer to you as one of my listeners. All right, let's go back to our episode. Um, It's One of the things that for me is important is this work-life integration. Because uh, a speaking business can, uh, can be a bit addictive, right? If you start getting paid Real to good. go and speak and if you're flying around the world and it can take you away from the normal course of your business. And so there's gotta be a balance. Uh, a lot of times if you get a speaking engagement, um, they'll pay for your travel. Uh, I'm always asking to have a second person go with me, yeah. right? So I, I don't go to any of these events on my own. Uh, I'll bring one of my strike force members, Yanni, because a lot of times, a lot of the business opportunities are occurring just before, just after, and having someone there and in bulk, and you and can in bulk, keep yeah, track. I and mean, you, you, you get off stage, and you're, you're swarmed, right? And so, being able to like say yes and talk to Yanni, and Big. you know, basically, yeah. it helps a lot.
0: Yeah. Can I, on this simple little thing called travel expenses, what I found, and I think you might have found the same thing is it's actually more efficient to have a standardized speaking um standardized travel um Package. expense yeah that a you buyout. say it's a buyout it's like yeah. look like, you know my speaking fee is 50k and my domestic travel is 3,750 bucks, right. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and you, you might say, and a private jet, whatever you, wherever your level is that you can ask for it.
1: I'll never forget, I was trying to get a particular well-known tech entrepreneur to come and speak, this was years ago, and he came back and he said, my fee is 100K and a private jet. And I was like, WTF, holy shit, really? <laughs> like, yeah. who is this person?
0: Yeah, it's um, actually funny, I did yeah. something recently. I was helping a friend of mine who's the CEO trying to get some pretty prominent people to come and speak at his event, but it was a small event. It was only 30 CHROs. Yeah, And these people wanted a lot of money. And I said, I have an idea. Let's ask people who live in this, that he- was in Santa Barbara. I said, let's ask people who live in San Francisco, major people who live in San Francisco. Let's not pay them, but let's send a helicopter for them. Hmm. And it was amazing we got them to say yes. Yeah, The idea that, they were getting a helicopter sent to bring them down to the event and a v- back. A VVIP yeah. experience. But we didn't have to pay them, so we ended up as a lot cheaper. But so this idea of travel buyout yeah. is, is something people should know. It became easier than just tracking all the expenses. It was a chunk of change that you got. You have an international travel buyout number, you have a domestic travel buyout number.
1: Yeah. So COVID hits, yeah, and uh, we're not traveling any place
0: and and our speaking fees for about a month or two went to zero.
1: Yes, they did. And people were like 5,000 bucks
0: you can come and speak at our event virtually. Yeah. And isn't it interesting it went back up that our virtual talks yeah. are now getting paid what our old speaking fees used
1: well, to Well, I'm not sure it's gotten up to the full one, but you know, a virtual talk for an uh, at a third the price for an hour, you know, you're in, you're in, in your living you're in, you're in your, your pajamas and, and slippers and giving our keynote At least under here you are, right? Yeah, at least in half of it. Uh, and that's amazing. And so the ability, uh, and I actually enjoy it. It can be as interactive um, and I can deliver real value. Yeah. Uh, what else is, do people need to know about uh, setting your rates? So, I mean, listen, in the very beginning, maybe when your books just come out, uh, you might be doing a number of talks for free, right? TED's never going to pay you. If you can get on the TED stage, it's. we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But otherwise, you know, my speaking fees early on were probably 10, 20K. And that was amazing found money.
0: And that's still, I think- Significant. That amount of money, if you get to be a $15,000 speaker, that's sort of the first rate. Yeah. I think the first, when you're a real speaker, you're getting paid 15K. Um, The next level is 30, I find. Mm -hmm. And I think the next level goes to 50 to 60, 50, let's say. And then you're up to 75. And then you're at 100, which is a very rarefied group of individuals. But if you really think about those, I think those demarcations are about right in the people that I know. Um, what, What becomes important is to ask yourself, you always want to use the price to set your days, right? So, you know, at 15, you could probably be speaking all the time. If you're really gonna hustle, you're gonna do all the stuff of marketing we were talking about, get your butt out there, um, work the bureaus, you can speak a lot at 15K. And,
1: and one engagement can lead to three, to, you know, you have an the exponential right growth. The one engagement, particularly yeah.
0: if it's associations, if yeah. you go and work at it, you know, speak at an association, you've got a thousand people in the audience, each of whom could go back and say, we should hire that person, yeah. versus speaking at just one company. But the, the 15K, uh, what I did was I was finding myself speaking too much, mm-hmm. and and I had to up at the thirty. This was back in the mid uh, mid mid two thousands. I had to up at the thirty to keep my days down.
1: Yeah, yeah. My old no business question. was the same. I meet with Connie once a year. We set our our pricing, and I I ask her not to tell me about the gigs that come in too low. So you I'm not and negotiating. Would, you and I both would be like. Well, it's 60. Can I rationalize that? Yeah,
0: right? it's 60K, because yeah. 60K.
1: I like mean, God, it's a person's you... salary for a year. Yeah, it's crazy. exactly. It's a house when yeah, I out yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the reality is you need to titrate that. And especially if you have a family or you're an entrepreneur running a company, balancing that is really important. But if you're at the beginning of your career and you've done something extraordinary, being on the road and being able to share your message and get How paid for is it that? is is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You know, the problem is I'll get, you know, I'll come into Las Vegas for an association meeting. And I'll arrive at midnight. I'll have this incredible suite. My talk is at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then I'll leave. And it's like, what a waste. What right? a waste it's, of it's, the glamour you know, and the glitz. I agree. You know, one of the things also is at this point in our lives, we get to, cherry pick what to speak for. You should care about who you're speaking for. Yeah. Um, And I found myself in a few times where I'm like, how did I end up speaking to this audience? I have no connection Mm -hmm. to them. And yes, it's a great payday, but I should have said no, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think that being authentic and being able to really feel in your heart that you're gonna help these individuals uh, is super important. What other lessons can we teach here?
0: You know, I, I, was, I wanted to think a little bit about um, free talks, because in one regard, it's easy to say you shouldn't do them. Um, but let's talk about where I have found free talks have really had a return on investment. Please. No question. A TED Talk. Yeah. it has the massive returning so us, investment you want, you want to talk about ted one second first um sure but i want to come back to other free talks okay. and how one thinks about okay. those but yeah let's yeah. talk about so TED. so
1: ted it's still the
0: it's still the shining star it's the on hill it's amazing
1: right. uh ted stands for technology entertainment and design right and it is i,
0: I don't even think they claim that anymore
1: yeah it's like not. it's
0: just ted i yeah. mean what chris has done
1: yeah, Chris Anderson. The, the Chris
0: Anderson. You and I know each other from TED before Chris took it over. Yep. And um, that man and his team that that has created the the TED talks, the media business outside of a single conference. Hmm. That, by the way, is a great example of abundance. By giving away your product for free, you exponentialized. Yeah.
1: Well, the they value did, it. They did the, it more than one way, right? Yeah. So, TED.com is where you can go and watch all the talks. And yeah. people you know, people say, well, why would you want to go and pay $10,000 or 15000 or 30000 if you're a patron and go to TED when, if when, you watch the talks for well, free? One month
0: later, you're going to see yeah. them for free.
1: And, and, of course, that's not why you're there. You're there to meet everybody else and to experience it well, live. Listen,
0: the, I'm here... Right now, because of TED, you and I are together yeah. because of TED. Yeah. Some of my best, dearest friends, and my richest relationships I have in my life was because of the TED membership and the TED community, and I am so grateful for that organization and the community that's created. Um, getting on that stage, I, I hope you know it's there has become a, a better mechanism than back in the day. And back in the day, I think it was you know pixie dust and, and, and
1: who, theory, in, who you knew and, and how your name or book or topic came across the right person at the right time. Which
0: couldn't be engineered. It could be a bit, but it was very difficult. to. But now they've got an entire feeder system called the TEDx program. Yeah. And it actually does work. I mean, you can, you can be no one and give a local TEDx talk and have that rise up through the ranks through the likes of the system, and the next thing you know, you're on the main TED.
1: So Salim and I talk about TEDx in our uh, EXO 2.0 book, yeah. right, as a, an incredible exponential organization. So how do you yes. go from this once a year event, which TED used to be for how many people, 1500 people yeah. in the audience there, to all of a sudden reaching hundreds of thousands, uh, millions of individuals through TEDx talks around the world, yeah. right? And, and they, they have
0: their podcasting series, et cetera. Yeah. I would just say it, it, you and I both are super fans. Yep. We both have so much uh, um,
1: to respect to thank for the, and the quality respect. of what they've done. Sure. Right.
0: Um, and I would say the way to go about all of you should be worried about your TED talk.
1: Hundred yeah. percent. That's yeah. it. It's, way, it's as important as a book. Yeah. And and your your book, how would you present your book in twenty minutes or less or eighteen minutes? What is it? Is it eighteen minutes?
0: Well it like changes. I okay. mean anyway. my,
1: my TED Talk was 12 minutes back in the day. Okay. Um, um, but I think if you can't convey your 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 purpose, your mission, your, your MTP, essence. your essence of what you're in, yeah. in that. Well, there's the Ben Franklin. Time.
0: Sorry, I, I wish if I had more time, this letter would have been shorter. Yes. Um, so start to work your TED Talk even though you don't have a place to give it yet. Yeah then or throw a tedx conference you're gonna say and then get involved in the tedx community it's sort of the modern day
1: tech version of toastmasters in one sense it is you know
0: at a a hyperdip level so that's one now the other thing about free talks is i'll tell you this is my alumni university Mm. speaking at the reunion has sometimes been the best feeder for my um for my speaking engagements Interesting. Because, you know, particularly with my alma mater at business school, I was able to give talks to my classmates who were like, wow, that was a great talk. And you're dealing with an entire group of individuals that are running businesses, right? Yeah. Your stages, right, is, not I'm sure, an immensely uh, rich opportunity for a bunch of entrepreneurs to see somebody speak on stage and say, wow, I should have them come in. So there are places if, as I was mentioning earlier, associations, if the organization, if the forum, is a group where the audience are buyers of speaking engagements, mm-hmm. then it's, it could be worth doing free talks. Yeah, and so that's what I want people to consider.
1: Or if you care deeply about, of course, the audience, of the audience and the topic, right? right. Your, You're your alma mater. mission-driven. Yeah, right. So I am, yeah. I am. whatever I can deliver to entrepreneurs and graduate students and so forth, I mean the challenge is I think people don't realize. Uh, there's a lot going on in our lives, so yeah. being able to pick up—you have—it's trade. You're always trading time, right? The one thing we all have in common is 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 in a year, yeah. and it's how you use your time, which is everything. It's our most precious resource right now.
0: I've gotten to the stage where I can probably only do one or two talks a year that are purely, you know, gratis. generous and gratis, yeah. um, without an, uh, without a mo- motive. For doing it which is yeah. well this is an audience that could be more speaking engagements or more team coaching or such etc. But I do think it's important. I just I might what I say to my team is this is our channel strategy. Yes. And and my team is responsible for identifying who are the associations that you should speak in front of for your channel strategy. Now this is where book helps because if you've written a book and if you haven't seen it, we've got a really great podcast about booking um, <laughs> about it, writing books. About writing books. Yeah. If you write a book, it is all of a sudden a permission to speak. And so if you think about what free talks you should be given where, writing a book for the next six months, it's very funny because if I reached out to Salesforce and said, you know, in Dreamforce next year, I've got a message I really think would be great. Okay, that's interesting. Um, Here, we'll put you on the list. No urgency, but if I reached out to Salesforce and said, I've got a book coming out the month that Dreamforce is out or the month after, and I could tease out my message, which is about to be published before yeah. anywhere else on your stage, and I'd be happy to sign books, all of a sudden there's urgency about having me as a speaker. Yeah. So I know of a guy um, who is just a brilliant speaker I don't know if he would want me to say his name or not because his strategy is so beautiful. He writes a book a year mm-hmm. just for his speaking business. And he, it, he does it just as a machine. And every year he writes a book, he publishes it, he markets it, and that's his next. And as a result, unlike guys like you and me, who I suspect the, uh, the off the, the, the amount of time that we get invited back to the same stage one year after another, is almost never.
1: Yeah, it's it, at best. Unless it's every like three three friends years. like you know A three sixty, etc. He gets
0: invited back to the same stage. He's got a different message every yeah
1: year Sure, sure, sure. Because
0: he's engineered his books around his speaking engagement in that way. You
1: know, other platform stages are YPO chapters. Yeah. Um and EO chapters and so if
0: you uh here, so again EO YPO, All right. but the the actual chapters don't have a lot of money for speaking engagements, right? Maybe 5K, 10K. They have an
1: education budget, and sometimes they'll group three or four chapters together and create an event.
0: Right. But then the members, you have to ask yourself, at YPO, certainly the membership has the ability potentially to do speaking engagements for 50K, 15K. But as you go down to EO or Vistage or other organizations, they may not have, you've got to ask yourself, is the audience used to paying my speaking fee? Mm -hmm. Right Um, now, one of the other things that I've, I've done, it's interesting. You, people think of speakers and they think of themselves as hiring speakers and not hiring speakers. It's what's the difference between helping them facilitate or helping them in a leadership offsite Mm. versus a speaking engagement. I've been able to open up the number of engagements. I know I still get paid 50K. Right. I still do the same prep, but I've now sold myself not as, are you hiring a speaker? But when are you giving your next leadership offsite? I'd like to present some of my research. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a nuance, but this idea of selling yourself as a speaker, you've actually, by the way, you've usurped the bureaus, you've usurped the clipboard people, and you've gone straight to a leader who might think, you know what, I don't normally have an outside speaker mm-hmm. at my team meeting, but this topic would be interesting. Sure, I'll free up 15, yeah. 20, 30, whatever it is, for my team. Mm-hmm. So you can actually create a speaker slot that didn't exist before by okay. virtue of going direct.
1: Shall we summarize? Yeah. Right. So uh, inspiring, uh, yeah. thinking, you, you you do this one first. Okay, I'll go first. So speaking has a lot of extraordinary benefits for you uh, personally i mean if you're an entrepreneur and a leader it's a chance for you to become a thought leader on stages around the world Uh, you can make a great living at it Uh, it's a way to present your company your ideas Um, and so there's a lot of elements of being I call it a platform or a keynote speaker Um, fear often stops people And there's one solution to fear, and that is practice, 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 and speak about something that comes from the heart, right? If you're speaking with your mind and your brain, you're going to get caught up. If you're speaking from the heart, for me, uh, a lot of my successes were emulating uh, great speakers on stage who I watched and I'm studying you when you're on my Abundance 360 stage or Tony's on my stage or vice versa. It's like, huh. Huh. Fascinating the way they did that. How they paused even a second longer longer than I would have paused, or their their volume, or their you know their motions and their hand motions, and it becomes like um, incredibly. It 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 shocks. Oh, another thing that I do I love doing when I'm on stage is breaking the barrier. I will jump off the stage mm-hmm. and walk into the audience. Right? It changes the entire dynamic. The camera people hate that. I will. I yeah. go and check with them first. I said, I may jump off the stage, and they say, well, stay away from that speaker, and that speaker's going to get the yeah. feedback, but that's fine. And so, uh, and you're looking to build a relationship uh, rather than just, you know, hit and run. Can you give your slides away to that audience? Uh, and can you, in fact, keep a relationship going with that audience? Uh, but it's there to serve. Um, you know, those are my thoughts off the bat. I, um, yeah, well, look, as a,
0: as a good summary, I'm, I'm not going to be redundant. You've said so many good things in your summary. I stole some of yours. That's okay. That's <laughs> a good summary. That's what we're here for, the inspire, inspiring summary. Where I want to go with it is maybe just a little different. Um, and maybe this is just because I, the way I think about it. I think about my speaking business really as a lifestyle for my future. Interesting, yeah. The more that I invest in my brand today, I mean the $2 million that I invested um, around some research that I did during the pandemic actually ended up being $5 million at wow. the end of it. What, you know what I was thinking about? I busted my ass during that, that two to three year period doing research about the future of work. I invested my own money and other brands' money. What I was thinking about was, this is gonna give me the permission when I'm 75 to 80 years old, to go around the world and step on stage and my brand legacy will still be there and I'll be relevant. Mm. And I'll be my partner and I will be able to travel and have a beautiful life mm. because I will have built a brand and be meaningful to people. And it's the way I want to live my life. Fascinating. And so that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about what I, what I consider the nirvana of my retirement and I think that's what I would, I would encourage any of you, if you could start to build your brand and start to get permission to speak in people's stages and, and, and in their uh, companies, it could be a beautiful way to live your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that would be my wrap up statement.
1: You know, I think a few points you made as well, remember to tell stories, Yeah. open with a story, a authenticity, personal
0: anecdote. Authenticity. Yeah. um variability you know of your voice
1: a... level um from and
0: and the last thing is relationships uh, what kept coming up throughout this for the both of us is yes. people uh whether it's bureaus it's about relationships it's about agents it's not about bureaus yeah it's about individuals it's sally from xyz speakers bureau who has gone out on a limb and said peter would be the right person and then was rewarded for it, both by your success, but also by the flowers and the gratitude. To build that relationship is important. And, and also, I'll give you one last one, is um, don't be afraid to ask. My old man used to say, don't ever be afraid to ask. The worst anybody could ever say is no. If you've got a buddy that you know is a big wig in a, in a company, mm. just say to them, hey, um, who runs your, the events that you do? I would love someday to get a chance to bring my message to your organization. What's wrong with that? I mean, that kind of just putting yourself out there and asking uh, is a great way to to get your speaking business, maybe even just started. You know, what we didn't talk about, by the way, I know this is the wrap-up, but what we didn't talk about is your speaker reel. Important idea. And if you've never done any speaking before, asking friends to be able to be to get on the stage in front of their, their company, but with a video camera. Yeah. So that you could get it videoed and you can get two or three of them videoed and put it together in a reel. It establishes you. Yeah. At the, end, at the
1: beginning of your career, when people don't know you, you don't have a reputation, you don't have a bunch of. You need the reel. Yeah. You need something to demonstrate what's your style, your capacity, capabilities, and so forth. Yeah. So, Keith Ferrazzi, folks who want to hire you to go speak,
0: yeah, frozzygreenlight. Uh, frozzygreenlight.com.
1: .com. Two R's, two Z's. Yeah, indeed. Awesome, and they can follow you on which social media?
0: LinkedIn's probably best.
1: Amazing, thank you for this gift. Uh, thank you for the gift you gave me a decade ago mm-hmm. that launched me. I'll never forget where we, you know, that lunch sitting outside, and you were so generous in teaching me these ropes that we've now conveyed on. Um, it changed my life. Uh, it. And it truly uh, uh, was a rising tide. I hope it is for many others. Yeah,
0: good pay it forward.
1: Thank you. Cheers.